Hey, this is Noah Fritchie, and I'm the lead pastor of Real Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. If you've been here for the past several weeks, you know that we've been in this series called Start Over. And the idea behind this series is that uh, it, we, we want to help you break free from once and for all, from all those things that uh, so many of us, we just can't seem to get over. I don't know about you, but I, I have areas in my life where, that just show up over and over and over again. And most of the time, there, there's areas that I just don't want them to be there. But somehow, every year, I, it, they, they just constantly keep showing up over and over and over again. And for some of us, 2019 wasn't really the best of year. And, uh, and, and we, we had some, some hang-ups in 2019, and we had some problems in 2019. And what really happens is, is that as we move into the new year, a lot of people, especially in the church world and just people in general, just start making New Year's resolutions. And uh, for a lot of people, their New Year's resolution is, I want to get back into church. And uh, other people, it's, it's all kinds of different things. And uh, with that, with people making New Year's resolutions... Uh, many people, their resolution is just that they need a fresh start. They just need to start over. They just need to find some freedom in their life. And so with that and with the new year, we've kind of used the new year to capitalize on our teaching topic and, and really to just really talk about how to start over and be free and really find freedom. In fact, uh, we've, we've used a verse about every week in this series. It's, it, uh, it comes from John uh, John chapter 8, it says this, and this has been our theme verse for the entire series. It says, to the Jews who had believed in him, and believed is highlighted because most of the time we think that when we become a believer, that we shouldn't struggle with anything anymore. Like, a lot of people have this big myth about Christianity that once I pray the salvation prayer, and once I decide uh, uh, that Jesus Christ is my Lord, everything should just be all right, and everything, all my problems should just leave, and Really, that's not what happens. Uh, in fact, uh, I, I, I personally believe that the devil will attack you even more sometimes. And, uh, and, and so we see this. So Jesus is talking about people who believed in him. And Jesus, Jesus says this. He said, if you hold, if you hold to my teaching, <coughs> excuse me, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's what I want for you. I want you to know the truth so that you can be free. And it goes on to say this. It says, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants, and we've never been slaves to anyone. So, Jesus, how could you say that we could be set free? We've never been a slave to anyone. And can I tell you that the first step of this process, and I've said this every week, I think it's just important for you to know this, is that you have to understand that you can be in some bondage. Like, there are things, like Christians can have something's wrong with them. And if you don't first accept that you have a problem, we can't do anything about the problem. So the first part of this is just accepting that you have a problem. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, on this next slide, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Can I tell you that every time you do something you don't want to do, you become a slave to sin. In fact, sin, I would say, becomes your master. And we all have that one area in our life. I feel like, I, I feel like so many of us, we've got that one area in our life that just, 
tries to gain um, <coughs> mastery over us, and, 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 and it tries to just rule us. Like many people that I talk to, they'd say, well, well, my life would be so much better if this wasn't in my life. My life would be so much better if I didn't have this habit. My life would be so much better if I wasn't addicted to this. My life would be so much better if, if I could just respond better to my kids. Like, my life would be so much better if this wasn't in my life. And here's what I want to encourage you today. This message will mean so much more to you if you fill in that blank. Don't fill in your neighbor's blank because we're really quick to do that. Like, you could probably point to your neighbor and say, well, it would be, your life would be so much better if your temper wasn't so bad, you know? And, and so, like, like we're, we're quick to judge everyone else, but in order for you to really get this message in your heart, I would just encourage you, think about that blank. My life would be so much better if this wasn't in my life. That one area that is constantly cracking the whip at you, that one area that calls us and gains mastery in our life. And here's what it goes on to say. It says, <coughs> now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. See, you, when, when, when you're a slave to sin, you don't get the family benefits that God has for you. And I just want you to get the family benefits. And this essentially is the journey that God wants to take you on. And Really, what I said last week is this, is that I'm just your spiritual tour guide. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm taking you on this journey to a life that is different than what 2019 did to you, or what 2018 did to you, or what, what, what 2010 did to you, whatever you've been holding on. I'm just your tour guide to help you get past, to take you on this spiritual journey, to get past whatever, whatever happened in your past. In fact, week one of this series, we talked about the war between flesh and spirit. And we said that there is literally a war going on inside of you where your fleshly desires are battling your spiritual desires and they're constantly butting heads. And we said that the best way to really jumpstart your year and the best way to get, uh, to, to get your spirit to win is to go into this 21-day challenge, which many of you participated. In fact, how many of you, just lift your hand if you participated in the 21-day challenge at all. How many of you did that? Wow. Wow, that is awesome. That is awesome. So many of you, you participated in this 21-day challenge, and really what we were doing, uh, the idea behind this is, is to get your, your spirit man to win, and to win over your fleshly desires, because we said that if you would just feed the spirit a little bit more, if you would feed your spirit with prayer, and if you would starve your flesh, and the and by starving your flesh, we, we, we fasted for 21 days that we could see God move. And I hope that you've seen God move through these 21 days. And then last week, we talked about that Satan is a liar. Like, Satan loves to lie to you. Like, that's his game. Like, that's one of the only, that's one of the most powerful things that he can do is just mess with your mind and lie to you. And we talked about that there's a battlefield in your mind. And once you get to, once you get the truth in your mind, here's what will happen. When you get the truth in your mind, you will begin to experience true freedom. And so we led you on that a freedom topic last week. And today, what I want to do is I just want to feed off of a verse that we left off with last week. And I barely touched on this verse, but I want to develop it today. I really do believe that this verse will explain why so many of us, we've got the same problem over and over and over again. I hope this verse will explain it. Here's, here's where the verse comes from. It, it comes from 
oh, I'm sorry, I missed an important part of the last verse. The last verse says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be, say it with me, say free indeed. Absolutely, and that's the life that I want for you. But last week, we talked about this other verse, and I really want to develop it. I'm sorry, I've had a bit of a cold this week, and I don't want to cough all over the people in the front row. So I want to heavily rely on this water today. <coughs> so here's what, here's what it says um, in, in Ephesians 4, 26 through 28. It says, in your anger, do not sin. I want to stop right here for just a moment to show you that it's okay for you to get angry from time to time. Like, Jesus doesn't say it's bad for you to be angry. He just says, in your anger, do not sin. And so what what happens is, is that, yeah, it might be okay to get angry from time to time, but when you get angry, you have a choice. You have a choice to make, and you choose how far that anger goes. And so, and so what happens is, is, is so many of us, we, we need to learn this idea that, yeah, I might be angry from time to time, but I have a choice on whether it goes farther than that. I have a choice on whether I sin or not. And then it says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, so he's saying, you need to resolve it. Like, 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 fix it. Fix it as soon as you can. And if you don't, here's what happens. If you don't fix it, the de- you, you are giving the devil a foothold. You're giving a devil, the devil really an open door into your life. And can I tell you that God wants you to be free? But for so many of us, <coughs> we just keep doing the bad things that the enemy is constantly putting in front of our lives. And, and whenever we get angry, we, we begin to sin. And when we sin, that's when we give the devil a foothold or an open door in our life. But can I tell you, just like the, the song that we sang, No Longer Slaves, you're bought with a price. Like, you don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. But when we do things that open doors, when we do things that give the devil a foothold, all of a sudden, when you open that door, the devil has every right to take things that he doesn't, that, that, that's not his. He can begin to take things that's not his. And some of you, you, some of you in here, maybe some of you, you've just given up like on ever thinking that you can have a better life. Like some of you, you're in here today and you're like, man, it is, it is what it is. Like, 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 I don't think that I can move on. I don't think, I, I, I don't think it could be any better. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, well, it's not over just because you gave the devil a foothold. The Bible says, he who has been stealing must steal no longer. Can I just proclaim that in your life today? The devil has been stealing some things from you. And the Bible says that he who has been stealing must steal no longer. That's for you. That's a promise that God has for you. The devil doesn't have to control you anymore. He doesn't have to steal from you anymore. You know, God has some things. God, God has some things that you are not experiencing uh, that, that you should be experiencing, some of those family benefits. But, but God says just because you give the devil a foothold, it doesn't mean it's over. It means that you can, you can stand up to him and you can say, devil, you've been stealing from me, but you should steal no longer. But for many of us, this happens often, that we open the door to sin. And all of a sudden, we begin to give the devil a foothold in our life. In fact, this idea is all throughout Scripture. The idea of, of, of although the enemy has no right, what we do is that 
as humans, we just continue to open up doors. We just continue to fling the doors open, and, and, and we let the devil in. And in fact, that's what, uh, I love what Joel says here, Joel 2 verse 9, it says, they, they meaning the enemy, rushes on the city, and they run, on, they run along the wall. They climb into your house. The enemy is like a thief that enters through your windows. The enemy is looking for every opportunity to get into your life. And all throughout the Bible, we see this idea where the enemy is constantly uh, trying to go through these doors, trying to, try, trying, to, uh, trying to go through these windows and doors, and, 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 and how the enemy is like a thief. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, it puts it like this. It says, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I, have for, what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. But then it goes on to say, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Here's what he's saying here is that, that you should know the devil's schemes. The devil is out there like a thief, scheming and trying to get into your life. But you need to know his tactics. But for so many of us, the problem is, is that we don't match this verse. Instead of we're not unaware of his schemes, many of us are actually just unaware of his schemes. Many of us just actually just don't understand what the devil, uh, what, 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 what the schemes of the devil are. And that's why for so many of us, the devil is having his way with us because you don't real, you didn't realize that you went to bed at night with the windows unlocked, with the windows wide open and the doors unlocked, everybody. Like, like you just don't know his schemes. And so, and so you're leaving his house, you're leaving your house unlocked. And so you're letting the devil come right in. And what we're going to do today, and I pray that this can happen in your life, that we're going to expose the devil today in Jesus' name, everybody. We're going to say that he can't steal from us any longer. And for him not to steal from you, I've got to show you some of his schemes. In fact, I love what this, this verse says in the message translation. It says, so if you forgive him, I forgive him. Don't think... <coughs> don't think I'm carrying around a list of personal grudges. The fact is, is that I'm joining with you with, with your forgiveness as Christ is with us, guiding us. And it goes on to say, after all, we don't want, we don't want to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. We, we're not oblivious to his sly ways. I just want to make sure that you're not giving the devil an opening. And that, 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 that you're not oblivious to his sly ways. That's all I, that's all I want for you. And I just want to show you that this is a concept all throughout your Bible. From cover to cover in your Bible, there's this concept that we can do things just as humans. We can do things and we don't even realize it. And we let the devil in. And we, we open the doors are left wide open. And so the question is, and the, and the question you're probably having for me today is like, well, Pastor Noah, what are those doors? What's the doors that I'm leaving open? How am I letting the devil in my life? How am I letting Satan control my life? And I think this is actually the coolest part of the message. Because, like, if there's, if there's a good thing about the devil, the good thing is, is that the devil's not creative, everybody. Like, he's just, he's just not very creative. In fact, it, all throughout the Bible, cover to cover, you can see that he does the same thing over and over and over and over and over. You get it now? He's doing the same thing over and over and over again. In fact, 
I would, I, would, I would go to say that the, he's always working in one of three ways, in one of three categories. The, Bi- the, the Bible tells us that the devil is constantly trying to get into your life. And it's, from, it's cover to cover in the Bible, from Genesis to maps, everybody. It, it's, it, some of you, you didn't get that. <laughs> That's only joke in this message, everybody. <laughs> Just laugh at it so we can move on. Huh? From... <laughs> From Genesis to maps, everybody, it's in there. If the the devil is in there, and there's three big ideas, and you'll see the pattern of what I'm going to call today three big doors. There's three big doors that I believe that the devil can enter into your life. Here, let's read this verse, and then I'll explain it to you. It comes from 1 John uh, 2, verse 15. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world... Love for the Father is not in them. He goes on to say, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, if you got your Bible, I'd be highlighting these things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it comes not from the Father, but from the world. And it goes on to say that the world and its desires will one day pass away. It, it, it'll leave us. And, 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 and it's not just talking about physical death here. It's saying that one day, the world and your desires, your dreams are going to pass away. Your marriage, your, 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 your happiness, your every, everything is going to pass away. But, but when, what happens is, is that when you find and when you shut the doors, here's what happens. It says, but whoever does the will of God will live forever. That's what I want for you. I want that eternal life for you. I want you to live forever. And that's the journey that I want to take you on. And so today, I just want to expose the three main places that I believe the devil uses. In fact, I would challenge you, when you read all throughout your Bible, I would say the devil is always using these three general categories. And it comes from this verse, that says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Here's the first category <coughs> that the devil is always using. If you're taking notes, uh, this is on your note-taking sheet. The first category is our passions. The devil is constantly after your passions. And passions also meaning like your appetite, like, like, like your desires and your feelings for the world. Like there's a lot of people out there today that just say, I just want to be happy. Like, like my desire in life is just to be happy. I just, I just want to be happy. It's, it, so your passion is just meaning your desires and, and your feelings, essentially. This is what the lust of the flesh means. And really, can I tell you that you can't trust your feelings? Like, if you haven't already found out, some of you, you followed your feelings in the wrong direction in high school, everybody. Like, like you, you've, done, you've done messed it up. If you haven't figured it out, you, you, you cannot trust your feelings. Your feelings, they'll lie to you every time. And, but we've got a generation and we've got a culture out there that just says, well, well that's just who I am and that's just how I feel. And I'm just going to do what, what feels good. And can I tell you that, that that's not what the Bible says? Not at all. That our, in fact, our feelings should come under the subjection to God's word. Like, like the Bible talks a lot about how your feelings will lead you in the wrong direction. And so sometimes, we, uh, yeah, sometimes I wake up in the morning and reading my Bible doesn't feel good. But guess what? I do it. 
That's just what I do. I've got to do it, even though it might not feel good. That's what I know that I should do. Can I tell you that if I had followed my feelings, I wouldn't be your pastor today. Like, this, <laughs> this is not a job that you follow your feelings to, to be in. Like, it's, it's just, it's, it, it's not. Can I tell you that the enemy, it will constantly throw these things out there. He, he, the, the devil wants to just throw things out in front of you just to make you feel good. And when you feel good, all of a sudden, your, your, your passions, you, 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 you get satisfied with it. And, and he'll do anything that he can to throw things out in front of you that will just make you feel good. And that's what society will, will tell you, too. The society will constantly tell you, well, if it feels, if it feels good, just do it. Like, just, 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 just follow what feels good. And, and really, that, that, that's not what the Bible says. Can I tell you that every time that I followed my feelings instead of God's word, it's ended up really badly for me. Like, like it's, it's, not, it's not turned out well for me. And, and there is an open door. And specifically, I, I want to talk about there's an open door. Uh, talking about your passions here, there's an o- open door specifically for a, lust, a, a lustful appetite is what I would call it. Like the enemy is, is, is loves to use this. Like the enemy, usually in the area of your sexuality, he wants to throw some things out there. The enemy wants to throw some things out there that will pull your marriage apart. The enemy will throw things out there that he'll, he wants you to get, get addicted to pornography. That's what he wants for you. He, he wants to throw things out there uh, that, that, that just takes you away from God's standard and robs you from true joy. The enemy is constantly throwing things out there in this idea, in this passion side, in this, in this feeling side of things. And anyone who's ever engaged in any of that, you know that it's true. You know, you know that he's after you in that way. And so that's the first part, that he's always after our passions, our feelings, our, our, our appetite. That's what he's after. Here's the second thing. He's always after the, the lust of your eyes. He's after uh, your possessions. He wants to give you possessions. In fact, um, I really do believe that we live in a world that wants, I, I think the motto of this world is I want it all and I want it right now. Like, like <laughs> heads up, that's where we live. And so many people live their life like that. They want, they want it all, and they want it right now. That's my, I believe that's my, the, the sound of my generation. That, 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 that's who it is. And like we have, there's a whole generation rising up that just values the idea of having debt. And the thing is, I, and I'm not saying that if you, if you have debt, that's a sin, it, not, not at all, but, but, but some people are just doing it out of greed. Like they're just borrowing as, as much money as they can just because they want more right now and they don't want to work for it. They want everything right now without any work. And, and really, it's an appetite from the devil. It's just, it's just a demon spirit is what it is, and it, it shows all throughout our, our, our society. And it gives you an appetite that will make you think that possessions will make you happy. Heads up, everybody. There's not a possession that will make you happy. There's not a possession that's going to fill you like God does. There's not a possession that will give you peace. You never arrive. It doesn't work. You, you, you never just get to the top one day. That's not how these things work. You'll never get to the top. And the enemy, he loves to use this. And, 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 he, and he loves to make you think that if you just would get enough, you would be happy. Can I tell you the only thing that will ever satisfy you is God. He's the only thing that will make you happy. Here's, here's number three. <coughs> if you're taking notes, it's the pride of life, which means 
our position. And so many of us, um, the, the devil is after us in, in this idea that uh, for so many of us, we are just too prideful. Like, like we think too much of ourselves. The, I, so many people, they just think way too much of themselves. And um, can I tell you that out of these three, this is just kind of an interesting side note, is that out of these three, the only, uh, this, is, this is the only one out of the three that God says, not only do I not like this, but I will oppose you. The Bible says that God opposes the proud. And I don't know about you, but I don't want God opposing me. <laughs> like, like, like that, I, I want to be far away from that one. And these are, are some of the doors that the enemy has brought into our lives. And however you say them, and, and, and pastors will say them uh, several different ways. I put up here passions, possessions, and position. Uh, some people say it like this. Some people say uh, sex, salary, and status. Um, I, if, <laughs> if you're a youth pastor, you probably say the girls, the gold, and the glory, everybody. Like, like, uh, I, in fact, I, as studying for this message, I, I, heard, I heard one pastor say he called it PMS. And, and he said it's power, money, and sex. And I'm like, that's not what that means. But... <laughs> <laughs> But it, but it, he referred what whatever you call it what, what what whatever it is, the devil is always after you, in one of these three ways. And all throughout Scripture, I'm telling you, from cover to cover in the Bible, we see it. In fact, I don't even know if I put this in your notes, but I just I just want to show you how it's cover to cover in the Bible. You remember the story of Adam and Eve, everybody? All right, y'all passed Sunday school. Good. Uh, we, we, we're, we're, we're in Genesis 3, 6. It's Adam and Eve. It's, it's Eve. The woman, she saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it as well. Well, what in the world? Good for food. Good for, good for food is essentially her passions. The devil attacked her and her passions. He tempted her through her appetite. And so, and so that's what happens. That's good for food. The, devil t the Bible says that it was pleasing to the eye. He tempted her through her possessions. That, that God, God says, well, I can't have this, but I want it. And I want it now. And so, the, and so that's what, so he tempted, the devil tempted her through the possessions. And number three, desirable for gaining wisdom. He tempted Eve through her position. The devil said that if you would just eat the fruit, here's what would happen. You would be more like God. You would be, you would be pride. He tempted her through pride. And not only was Eve, Adam and Eve tempted, but we see this, uh, we see this all throughout the Bible. Jesus was tempted. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And here's what happened. Uh, the Bible says that the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, Tell these stones to become Krispy Kreme donuts, everybody. Like, like he attacked, <laughs> some of you have been there. <laughs> that's, that's what your fast, your fast looks exactly like this. And, 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 but the devil knew exactly what Jesus wanted. He knew his, he knew his passions and his appetite. And he, and, and he directed it right to what Jesus wanted. Turn, tell these stones to become bread. And, and Jesus has a great response and he doesn't do it. But then the devil comes back and says, 
uh, the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. Won't the angels catch you? And so again, he, he, he's tempting him with this. And then, and then again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And here's what he says. The devil said, all this, I will give it to you. I'll give all this to you if you would just bow down and worship me. What am I talking about? Turn these stones into bread. He, the devil tempted Jesus through his appetite, through his passions. Um, excuse me, not only that, throw yourself down. This is wrong on the slide, so don't look at that on the slide. Uh, throw yourself down from here. It's through, it's through Jesus' position. He offered, him a, he offered him a new position, a, a, a prideful position. And not only that, but then all this I'll give to you, which Jesus, uh, which the devil offered him through possession. So these are just flipped around here, everybody. But all this I'll give to you uh, is, through, is through possessions. The devil offered him possessions. Can I tell you that it's always in these three areas? Can you trust me with that? You guys trust me? All right, that's good. I'm not just making this stuff. It's, it, it, it's cover to cover in your Bible, which means it makes my job as your pastor so much easier. <laughs> like, like, thank you, devil, because my job just got a whole lot easier because the devil is not creative. And if I'm going to help you take the journey of freedom, and if I'm going to help you get out of that rut that you were in in 2019, here, 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 here's what I need to do. I just need you to take you, to take you on this journey of freedom because I could tell you that the devil is coming for one of these three things in your life. He's after those one of those three areas in your life and he's constantly after those. In fact, one more illustration just to just to show you uh, in the Old Testament, there was these pagan gods that 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 often that 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 the Israelites would would stop and they would and they would begin to worship these pagan gods. And here's here's the pagan here's the first pagan god, the god of Asherah. And the God of Asherah is, is really the devil attacking uh, your passions again. And, and really what, when they worshiped the God of Asherah, the God of Asherah was really just the God of fertility and lust. And uh, you would fulfill your worship to this pagan God uh, through prostitution, essentially. In fact, uh, they, they even had, they would, they would put up these Asherah uh, uh, poles. They would put up these Asherah poles, which is exactly what you think it is. Uh, and I won't go any farther. And so that, uh, the God of your passions, but not only that, but they, they also worshiped a God of mammon that was all about, uh, that was all about your possessions. That it, the God of mammon was just essentially the God of money. Not only that, but they worshiped this God called Baal, which was your God, which was basically the God of power and pride, all about your position. And so all throughout the Bible, there's these three things. There's these three ways that the devil is constantly trying to attack you. And can I tell you that the devil is not creative. He's after your passions. He's after your possessions. And he's after your position. And he wants you to idolize those three things. And really, if it's that easy, all we need to do is just look for the antidote of these three. <laughs> like, if we can find the antidote of these three things, we would be winning at life, everybody. And so that's what I want to give you today before we close. I just want to give you these three things uh, that you can go home with. And in fact, I've, I've just entitled this, Shut the Door. Everybody just turn to your neighbor and say, Shut the Door. Yeah, we need to shut the door. So how do we shut the door? Well, today, honestly, I just feel like the guy that is like, I, I feel like the guy that you've hired, like, from the alarm company. Like, like, I'm coming into your house, 
and I'm looking for the areas that the thief might be able to get in. And here's what I'm doing today. I'm coming into your life. And I'm looking at these three areas that the thief can get in, that, that's trying to get in. And I'm going to help you get some new locks on your doors, everybody. I'm going to install a new alarm system in your life. Are you ready for that? That's what, <laughs> that's what I want to give to you. So what's the antidote to the lust of the flesh? Like, how do I beat, my, how do I beat uh, the passions idea? Well, here's the first way that you beat that. You beat that through integrity. And many of you are like, wow, this really doesn't make sense. I was really getting it, and then I really lost it right here. Because many of you, you don't understand the idea behind integrity. You don't understand what integrity means. You probably uh, have a definition, your own definition for this word, and it's probably something like, well, uh, a person with integrity is just a person who's clean and perfect. Like, like they're just, they're just a, a perfect person. But that's not actually what integrity means. And uh, the, the word integrity actually comes from a math term. I really didn't like math in school, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll teach it to you today. I, I, it comes from a math term that is an integer. And if you know anything about math and integers, it, it, it's just an integer just means whole. It just means that it, it, it's, it's whole. And, and to have integrity doesn't necessarily mean that you're perfect. That's not what integrity is. A person with integrity just means that they've decided to live a whole life. They're not living two separate lives. You, you get what I'm saying now? A person with integrity isn't wearing the mask to church today. They're the same person in church. Uh, that, 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 that they're the same person in church as they are at the hunting club. They're the same person at, at, at the church as they are um, at the bar, at, at, at work. They're, they're all the same person. They're not wearing different masks. They're not a hypocrite, so to say. So integrity is not about being perfect. Integrity is about being honest. And some of you, you need, to, you need to catch that today. You don't need to be perfect. You just need to be honest. And if you're struggling, uh, if you're struggling in this area of lust and, and these lustful desires, here's what you need to do. You, you, need, you, need to, you need to start being a person of integrity. Not one person here and not one person there. Become a whole person. Become, don't, don't be a hypocrite. Uh, be, uh, be a person living with integrity. Because can I tell you that if you struggle with lust at home and then you come to, and then you, and then you, you, don't, you come to a small group or you come to church and you wear a mask, guess what? No one's going to be able to help you. No one. No one can help you when you do things like that. And I promise you, I promise you, if, if, if you do stuff like that, you'll never see the freedom that you, you want to see until you come to a place where, 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 where you, you have some integrity and you, become a, and you become a whole person and you finally open up to somebody and say, you know what, hey, I've been struggling with this. I just need to take the mask off and I need to tell you who I really am and I need you to pray for me. When, can I tell you that when you, be, when you become that person, when you, when you have that integrity, when you become a whole person that's when change can happen in your life that, that that's as soon that I tell you everything will change and I tell you that's why we value small groups in this church I talked about Chris and small groups uh, the, can I tell you that small groups is not about the curriculum it's about the relationships everybody it's just about it's it's about you having a place where you can take the mask off and say you know what this is this is who I really am I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play anymore. It's. It's not. It's not. Small groups are not about what you do in those groups. It's about who you who you know and who you can talk to and who and who you can call in the middle of the night and who can pray with you and who can stand in with you and who can call you and and be with you. That that that's what it's about. In fact, Proverbs five, uh, verse seven, it says this. It says, "Now then, my sons." 
which it says my sons, just meaning that, hey, this guy, he, he had a relationship with these people. He wasn't just talking to some random dude on the street. This, this was someone he had a relationship with. He says, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Guess what? Don't even go near the door. He's talking, he's talking about the lustful person. He, he's ta- th- th- that's what he's talking about in, in this passage. He's saying, don't even go close to her. Guys, if you, if you struggle with this area of lust, I challenge you to go, go read Proverbs 5. Read the whole entire chapter because it talks about what will happen when you follow those desires. And it's not good, everybody. Let me just give you a heads up. It's not good. But can I tell you that the, the devil knows how to get to you. It says, don't even, he says, don't even go near the door of her house. It, he's all He's just saying this, essentially, like, 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 really, that's what lust does. Can I tell you that lust comes to the door of your house, and it'll knock on the door of your house, and it'll say, well, I know you're tired, and I know, I know this will make you feel so much better. And, and, and it'll do that. It'll do that every single time. And it says, lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel, lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of Another, it's don't even go near the door, everybody. So what do we need? What do we need? Well, we need that honesty and integrity. And watch what happens whenever we have that honesty and integrity. Here's what Romans 6 says in the message. It says, that means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't even give it, everybody. Don't even give sin the time of day. I love how it's wrote here in the message. It says, don't even run the little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Some of you, 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 <laughs> you've got a new way of life, but you're still running with your old boys, everybody. You, you stop running those errands that are connected with the old way of life. Instead, throw yourselves whole heartedly and full time into God's way of doing things. And that's my challenge at the beginning of this year. If you want to find some freedom, throw yourself wholeheartedly into God's way of doing things. And I just want to say just a couple weeks out of, from small groups, that's what you need. Throw yourself wholeheartedly into a semester of small groups. And at some point, can I tell you that you will get close enough to take off the mask and you'll get close enough to ask somebody for prayer. And, and can I tell you, mark my words, when you're honest and when you have that integrity, watch what happens. Watch what happens. The next verse says, sin can't tell you how to live anymore, everybody. It, it can't tell you. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. Uh, you're living in the freedom of God. And that's what I want for you. I just want you to live in that freedom of uh, freedom from God. So here's what you need to decide today. This is a really complicated statement, everybody. It's so complicated. I hope you get it. You need to say yes to God and say no to the devil. Just begin to live, live a life of integrity. Can I tell you, the grass is not always greener on the other side. It's not. And if it is, the water bill's higher, everybody. Like, it's... That, that's just that's just how it works. We'll move on. All right. So so what shuts the door on possessions? It's this. It's generosity. If you want to overcome, say you're you're in here and you are just so possession minded, like you you are just you're you're all about what you have. Well, you need to start being generous. Can I tell you that every time that we give, we break the grip of materialism off of our life. 
That's what happens. And can I tell you that the devil, he constantly just wants you to get, 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 get. That's what he wants for you. But God wants you to give, 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 give. God wants exactly the opposite. In fact, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave. That, that we, we serve a giving God. And can I tell you that when you give, I truly believe that when you give, you're the most like God. That's just, I just truly believe that. So how do you break that possession spirit? You give. And not only, not only do you give, but you prioritize. Can I tell you that God, uh, God is not even, well, let me, let me phrase it this way. God is concerned with the amount, of course, but many times I believe that God is not as concerned with the amount as, as more as he's more concerned with the priority is what I believe. In fact, whenever we read Genesis uh, chapter 4, it says, this is the story of Cain and Abel. It says, it says now, Abel kept, uh, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked in the soil. And here's what happened. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel, he brought, also brought an offering, and he brought fat portions from, uh, from some of the firstborn of his flock. And so what happens here? Well, Cain, he just did it when he felt like it. But Abel, he gave the firstborn. And here's what happens. The Lord looked down with favor on Abel, who gave the firstborn and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain, he was angry. He's like, I, I still gave. Like, like, like I, I still gave my portion. I gave what I was supposed to do. And, and, and Cain becomes very angry, and his face uh, was downcast. And the Bible says that then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Like, like what's wrong, Cain? Why, are you, why, why is your face so downcast? If you would just do what is right... Will you not be accepted? <laughs> That's a complicated idea right there. If you would have just done the, the right thing the first time, would you not have been accepted? But then it goes on to say, but if you, if you do not do what is right, what is happening? Oh, oh, here it is again. Sin is crouching at your door. Sin is at your door, and it desires to have you. But you must rule over it. You've got to rule over over it and, and that's that's what you that's what you have to do sin might be at your door and you you've got to rule over it and one of the best things that you can do in your life is that you can you, you need to shut the door of the enemy just shut the door and be faithful in your giving that's a way that you can shut the door is just be faithful in your giving and i don't say that because this church needs money in fact uh, it, 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 I, I don't care whether you give or not i just want you to give because god asked for it that's, that's, the only, that's the only reason. But can I tell you that if you, if you don't honor God with your first, all of a sudden, you open the door. You, you, you give the devil a foothold. The, the devil is at your door when you don't honor God with the first. In, fa in fact, the Bible calls it a tithe. And literally, the tithe is a test. And, and the tithe uh, literally means 10%. And not only does it mean 10%, but I'll just go a level deeper with you. The reason I believe it's 10% is because in the Bible, the number 10 is always used in, the, in, in testing. Like when we, when we look at the number 10, all throughout the Bible, when you see the number 10, it always just means a test. In fact, I, I, I want to show you, but I need your participation. Can I get your participation? Is everybody awake in here? All right, I, I know I'm going kind of long today. I'm, I, I apologize. But uh, it, let, me, let me get your participation real quick. In fact, I want you to answer these questions out loud. It'll be real easy, everybody. You all got it? 
Y'all got it? All right, okay, all right, somebody's here. Uh, just answer these, answer these out loud. Let me ask you this. Uh, how many plagues did God test Pharaoh with? Ten. Hey, you'll, you'll catch on. It's, a, it's the same thing. Everybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> I need to sneak in the answer. I mean, uh, let's try this again. How many plagues did God test Pharaoh with? Ten. How many commandments are there? How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Ten. Yeah, you'll catch on. How many times were, were uh, how many times were Jacob's wages changed? Ten. Yeah. How many days was Daniel tested? Ten. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? Ten. How many days of testing happened in the book of Revelation? Ten. How many disciples are there? Ten. Oh, I got some of you. Oh, 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 oh. I can't believe I fell into that. No. There were 12 disciples, everybody. There. I'll teach you on that next week. All right. <laughs> ten. Ten is the test, everybody. And, 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 and God, God literally says with this tithe, with this 10%, he says, test me in this. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me uh, now in this, says the Lord. And it goes on to say, whoops, I skipped one. If I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. A lot of us know that verse, but guess what? A lot of us don't know this next verse. The very next verse says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So what happens when you give? He's shutting the door. You're locking up your doors to your house. God is on your side. He's going to rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. God says, test me and test me. And can I tell you, just I believe me. And if you don't believe, believe what you want to believe. But just ask someone in here. I can tell you, if you ask anyone in here that gives, They'll tell you how the Lord has blessed them. It, it, it's just, that's just how it works. We don't give to get. We give to honor God. Here's the principle behind this. We give God the first of everything. We give God the first of everything. And in fact, I, there's something to be said that you are in here today, and it is the first day of the week. You're giving God the first of your week. Now, we did the 21 days of prayer and fasting, the 21-day challenge. We did that on purpose the first 21 days because I believe that when we put it first, we get God's attention whenever we do that. Uh, the first words out of your mouth every morning should be just whatever, just God, I love you, if that's, if that's what it is. Just uh, there's something about the first, and it's cover to cover, and, and God honors that, and it shuts the door according to Malachi. And so finally, I know that I'm pretty late today, but I wanted to give you all three of these principles, so you just hold on. Uh, here's, <laughs> here's what I got for you. The antidote to pride is essentially this. It's humility. In fact, I heard this quote. I love this quote. I just want to give this to you. It says, a man on his face can never fall from that position. Think about that. A man on his face can never fall from that position. It's important for you to start low not thinking too much of yourself. Another quote that I wrote down here is this, is that humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. It's, it, it's good stuff, everybody. I don't know why you're not talking back. Humility is not thinking of yourself, it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. It's honoring God. That's why we pray, that's why we fast. Can I tell you that fasting is one of the most humiliating things that you can do? 
And some of you who have been doing it, you know. Yeah, you, you know how humiliating it can be because you're denying yourself of something that you really want. You're denying yourself of something that, really, that you really, really desire, and it brings you low. And I'm sure if, you, if, you've really fasted, if you've really fasted during these 21 days, you've probably cried out to God a time or two and said, God, I have to have you more in my life than ever. I, I, I just, I've got to have you, I've got to have you show up here. And can I tell you that God honors it? He honors it. And there's lots of ways. There's lots of ways that you can express humility to God. Fasting is one way. And uh, I kind of debated on whether to say this one or not, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to go for it today, everybody. <laughs> I just feel, I'm feeling good, all right? Uh, but and because really this is going to offend some of you, but I just, I, I just feel like I should say it. Another way to express your humility is through your worship. It's through your worship. And for so many of us, here we are in church, hands in our pocket, looking around. Well, that's just not my personality. It's just not my personality to worship. Just not, not my thing. Heads up, everybody. <laughs> Listen, I forgot. I, 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 I guess I forgot. I thought worship was about God, everybody. I, didn't, I, I, I forgot that it was about you. I, I thought worship was about God. Uh, the Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people. <laughs> I don't think that left any one of us out. It, 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 says, it, says, it says that he wants men everywhere to lift up holy hands to the Lord in prayer. And the Bible also says, lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Hey, I know I'm offending some people right now, and I'm sorry, but I didn't write it. God did. <laughs> it's in the Bible. And can I tell you, if that's what he likes, that's what I'm going to give everybody. If that's what he wants for me, that's what I'm going to give him. Whether it embarrasses me to take my hands out of my pocket during worship, whatever. If that's what he wants, that's what I'm going to give him. Can I tell you that low-key, conservative, hands-in-pocket praise does nothing but protect your own ego. When you stand there with your hands in your pockets, it's, it's just protecting your own ego. Can I tell you that I do it for him? I do it because he says to. And God forbid a football team or a basketball team get more than he does. I mean, we should be the loudest place. When we worship, we should cry out to God. Every single one of your hands should be lifted. And I know that's uncomfortable, and I'm sorry that I'm making you uncomfortable, and I'm sorry that I'm keeping you until 1220 today. But I just had to tell you that, that, that that's low-key, hands-in-pocket praise does nothing but protect your own ego. And if you want some humility in your life, I'd challenge you to do that. And do it for him. Y'all come back next week. I'll be nice, all right? <laughs> but every once in a while, I, hey, every once in a while, I just got to tell you what the good book says. So um, <laughs> everyone all right, we'll go to, we'll go to something else. Here, Re Revelation chapter 3, it says, What he opens, no one can shut. Can I tell you that when God gets involved in your door business, you've got a good business going, all right? <laughs> you, you got something going there. When he gets involved in that door business, he, he, it's, a good, it's a good thing. And it says, and what he shuts, no one can open. And I, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And not only does it, says, does it say that, it says, I know that you have little strength. I know that you have little strength. Look, take, take, a, take a look at this. I know that you have little strength, meaning that you've humbled yourself. 
Yeah. God says, I know that I can see that you've humbled yourself, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Can I tell you, that's the ultimate sign of humility. In fact, I love what John the Baptist says. I would just encourage you, mark this verse up in your Bible, post it on your wall. I'd pray this every day if I was you, especially if you struggle with your ego. I'd pray this, John 3, verse 30. It says, Jesus must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. If you need humility in your life, just, just read that. Say that over your life. And can I tell you what we have done to start this year in this 21-day challenge, really I think it's something that you ought to work into the rest of your life. I think it's something that, that you ought to do every day. 15 minutes in the Word, just a little bit of time of prayer, get on your knees and pray and have a habit of daily prayer. And can I tell you that every once in a while, when God leads you, hey, humble yourself and fast and do it. You don't have to do it for 21 days. Do it however long, however long you feel like you need to do it. And not only that, but here, here's just the principle that I want you to take away, especially at the end of these 21 days. Just you need to develop a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Humble yourself before God. Can I tell you, the devil is not creative. He's after you, he's after you in one of those three ways. And you need to keep him out. He's after the possessions, the position, the, uh, the p- passions, possessions, and position. Whether you want to remember PMS or not, <laughs> power, money, and sex, uh, that's, that's what he's after in your life. And today, I just want to pray for you, and I just want to pray that, that if you struggle with any of those things, that, 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 you, that you would be able to come out of that, and that you would begin to develop a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, and that you would be able to, to move on and have a different life. Let me just close your eyes and bow your heads all over this room. Father, we just thank you for what you've done in these 21 days. But God, I ask you, I, I just ask that you would just be with us as, as we go throughout our week. God, that wherever the devil is attacking us in one of these three areas, God, I pray that we would be able just to shut him out. God, help us to shut the door. Help us to get rid of him. Help, help us to get him out of our life once and for all. We thank you that you are working with us. We thank you for that. This morning, some of you might be in here and you say, well, Pastor Noah, I need, a, I need a fresh start. I need to give my life to Christ. And if that's you today, all you have to do is pray this simple prayer. In fact, uh, because congregation, because we believe in this prayer, we're all going to say this together. But can I tell you, if you pray this and you meet it in your heart, the God who raised Christ from the dead, that same power will live inside of you. I want to give that to you today. So with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you and you want to pray that prayer today, and you say, I'm giving my life to Jesus today, on the count of three, would you just pop up your hand? I just want to know that this is your day. Are you ready? One, two, three. Would you just lift your hand all over this room? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Church, because we believe in this, just repeat this after me. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I ask you for forgiveness. I give you my life. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said,
Would we give it up for all those people who prayed that prayer this morning?